Welcome back to the American Scouser podcast. Ale, 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 we're never going to stop. It's Monday, the 1st of February, folks, and that means, well, at the time of recording, it means this one's a special one. It's deadline day special. So with lots to cover, here we go. We're going to start with um, the American Scouser LFC news in 60 seconds. I'm going to try and test myself here. Starting to speak faster. Now, go. And we are off today with Matip out for the rest of the season. Uh, ankle ligament injury, injured in the first half. Win versus Spurs. Uh, 3-1 win. Um, moving on, we've got signing news today. Hot off the presses. 20-year-old Ozan Kabak at the back. He's going to be wearing the new number 19 shirt. He joins us from Schalke. Uh, 25-year-old Ben Davies also joined today from Preston. And he'll be wearing the number 28 shirt. Set Vandenberg going the opposite way on loan. And news still out there that Taggy will be joining Southampton on loan. Not finished yet, but we're going to get that over the line. And he'll be there for the rest of the season. And LFC have added another young goalkeeper in Liam Hughes. Northern Irish goalkeeper. He's capped at the under-21 level from Celtic. Uh, and one more piece of news to round us all off. The February 16th tie versus Leipzig in Germany is being moved uh, to where we're not sure quite yet, but the German travel ban with COVID, it will be moved. So it won't be there. And breathe. <sighs> Without further <laughs> to do, folks, let me introduce you, listeners. Thanks for joining us, as always. Let me introduce you to the spine of the American Scouser crew. We are back at the back with the loyal, the OG, the centre-back, the armband, and resident Turkish ambassador, Cue the national anthem. It's Timuchin. How are you doing, mate? How's your week been? I'm great, man. I just bought another Turkish center back with me. <laughs> great to have him. Great to have him. And up next, it's our main man in the booth, producer extraordinaire, Parker, our sound guy, our very sound guy, our tech guru, Parks. How's life treating you, mate? Oh, not too bad. A lot better than that. You gave me that very warm introduction. Appreciate there, it, Jamie. There you go. You know, I try my best. Last, but by no means least, we have Paul. I rate players very highly. Beckler. He is Mr. Peacock. He is our midfield maestro. How's tricks going, Paul? <laughs> well, folks, we are back in your ears once again, talking more Liverpool stuff. So... Last week, we left you off. We were talking about Spurs. Uh, I made a cheeky comment, as I like to do, talking about Harry Kane and let's dive right in. So let's Harry Kane right in with Harry Kane, folks. Timuchin, I said he was diving. He dived. He ended up almost breaking both his ankles uh, on, our, on our captain, on Hendo. Hendo knows these tricks. He knows what he's up to. He let him just do it. He let him play himself. He played himself. He folded it like a deck chair. Yeah, I think, was it Thiago that got one of the ankles and then uh, Hendo finished it off? I mean, honestly, he injured his own ankle in the second one. But you know what's funny about that is when, after the game, I kind of like go online and watch some of the, like the videos. And I was watching the Tottenham one where they, you know, they do the YouTube video, they're watching the game live and stuff. And the beginning of the second half, I swear, like, those guys were more depressed, not from the score and the fact that they were losing and their season was already on the brink or whatever. They were totally depressed that Kane was out and they were like, the season is over if he's out for a long time. Whereas, even though I think Jose has, like, you know, Jose has been able to use him a lot better, I feel like sometimes they play 
better without Kane. But yeah, I mean, he did his thing and Hando knew, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but what a performance by Hando. Uh, it's just great to have him back. I think he has been the missing piece and kind of like the turning point here, but I'm sure we'll get to all that stuff. But yeah, good old Kane. Uh, do we know how long he's out for? I, I stopped following once our game was over. I do want him back so he can play against City, ideally, so that they can take some points away from them. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I don't know how long he's been back. Uh, maybe our, our man, our tech guru there can, can Google it while we bullshit further about Harry Kane. But um, you, you bring up a great point, Timuchin. Um, let's just dive straight into Mr. Bickler. Talk about Hendo and his ratings. Like, I mean, God, he, he really was brilliant. And the, the clips after the game of him just talking every, every game, every ball. He, he was kicking every ball. He was... He was chasing every ball vocally. It was just a, a, a man of the match performance, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of weird. It reminds me a little bit of Fabinho when he went back there in his first couple of games. We were like, oh man, he's you know he's crushing it. He's killing it out there. And he was like way better than anyone expected back there. I feel like we're doing that a little bit with Henderson too. Like his first couple starts, we were like, all right, he he was way better than we thought. And like I thought like. It was almost like to me. It was like almost uh, overlooked how solid he was this game. Um, I think there was a lot of other bright points, obviously, and that's probably what. But like, yeah, to, it, like I, I don't think a lot of us understand how hard it is to, to completely switch position uh, on a team and something that you're not used to playing, especially something like a, a back line in the system that we play that that de- demands a lot from that position. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the game itself, um, the first half, there was quite a lot of early chances. Um, obviously, Mane misses that one first couple of minutes and then Son gets his ruled off uh, for VAR. Um, but the halftime really is when it all <clears throat> started to heat up. Um, Aurier just gave up at, at halftime there. That, that ball through from Hendo, um, he just... He just, I don't know, misses misses the point. He just misses his man. Mane just runs through behind him. But, you know, at halftime, they must have been really kicking themselves because you could see visibly Jose getting irate on the on the touchline um, solely because Aurier just gave up. But uh, Mane goes through and, you know, perfect time to score. But um, for Bobby as well, you know, couldn't have missed it. But uh, the second half as well, you know, we come out all guns blazing again and... And Trent just latches on to a, a, a decent strike by Mane across goal, but Trent just lashes one home. And that's that's it. That's the game over there at, at 45 minutes. Um, and <laughs> we're, strolled then, we're strolling then for the rest of the game. But um, yeah, Tumuchin, why don't, why don't you tell us about, about um, the first goal and the second goal there halftime? Uh, one quick thing, just to interrupt before you get on that, Tumuchin, uh, according to Tottenham Hotspur's website, uh, Jose is hoping to see Harry Kane back in a couple weeks. Uh, he reports that the news is pretty good news. After Liverpool, no idea. Then the next day, we were thinking about three weeks, something like that. I don't want to be super optimistic, but Harry's optimistic. He has the experience of some injuries in his ankles, and in Harry's mind, it's a couple weeks. So let's see if he's right. That's pretty and good. Sorry, uh, I can't make an attempt at the uh, Jose <laughs> accent, but I can just do the I have nothing to say if I speak <laughs> in trouble. And then the better team lost. Uh, yeah, the, the better team lost. Yeah, throwback to uh, over a month ago when the better team most certainly 
didn't lose. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately for you, Parker, that now means you're going to be getting Tottenham Hotspur news through your phone for the yeah. <laughs> for the rest of the year. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Let me just but, uh, bend it yeah. out the window now. Thanks for that uh, news on Harry Kane. I'm sure we're all delighted to hear he'll be back in a, a, a month's time per Jose. But yeah, Timuchin, let's hear about um, the, the halftime, the, the double hit right before and after halftime. Yeah, I thought it was shocking to let that long ball go. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like a brain fart for him in that second, which kind of works for us, I guess. But it's almost like, I mean, it was the very, very last second almost like an NFL, you kind of like do a prevent defense. Don't, don't let anything behind you knowing, you know, the half is almost over, but uh good run. I thought we had a couple of those. Uh, and that was one of the differences. I thought the front three were making more runs, in, you know, behind. So that kind of helped. Um, yeah. It's kind of like uh, odds, almost like a semi miss at cross and all Bobby has to do is tap it in. I thought it was good for, both players involved. Uh, I mean, that was probably the biggest thing that I took from the Spurs game is it was very good to see everyone who was semi-struggling kind of get something out of it. Uh, in terms of, you know, money the way he started the game and the missed chances, he gets an assist out of that. And then, you know, like Bobby gets his goal. And then you see Trent getting his goal. And so, I mean, all these players that were, you know, when we were kind of like having those games where we, we just didn't look ourselves. Uh, it was kind of good to see all those players get something positive out of that game. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, and you know, the goal we conceded, I mean, he can take that shot another hundred times. He's not hitting that corner again. Beautiful strike. Uh, yeah. I mean, beautiful strike, nothing to take away from him, but let's face it. He's not getting that again. And they probably would not have gotten a goal aside from that, like wonder shot, really. But, um, and then obviously once we got the third one, it was odd because I think, you know, we've been joking about this on the podcast that it felt like we've been watching the same game for like 400, 500 minutes. It was odd to watch the team and it almost looked like they forgot uh, closing out a game that we were winning, you know, like moving the ball around, just like playing calm and stuff. Cause let's face it. It's been like two, three weeks since we watched that. It's always, we're chasing for that goal, trying to get a goal and stuff like that. So it was that's been kind of nice to see this week is watching a team kind of killing off the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the game by keeping possession. Absolutely. I mean, uh, let's not spend all night talking about Spurs here. We haven't got all bloody night, do we? We've got lots of lots of stuff to talk about. But a couple more things, um, uh, Paul and Parker. First, Parker, um, what do you think about Moe's goal, the, the dire Bobby handball bullshit? And then we'll jump to you, Paul, and you can tell us about Mane's goal at the very end there because... Two great points there. Um, Parker, what do you think? Yeah, and just again, one more interruption. Uh, as of 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, so 12 minutes ago, uh, Takami has joined Southampton on a loan per so it's official. Twitter page. Yep. Good, good. Yep, yep. Um, so as far as Moe's goal, I mean, it's, it's good to see him back. Four consistent four years straight of 20-plus uh, goals in a season gotta love that um you know good old one season wonder mo Salah there yeah um yeah i mean that was awesome the uh bobby handball i don't think there's been more of a moment this season where i've been wanting to throw my remote through the tv screen <laughs> um especially on the replays where he was being practically speaking rugby tackled yeah and it hit i can't remember what defender it was but it hit his hand and then eric hit bobby's dyer. hand yeah, like it was dyer. It was yeah, my hand him, yeah 
which is a pretty typical move of him. Um, yeah. But like, it, it, the reaction from people just was absolutely killing me. I saw one dude on Twitter, and I can't find the tweet now, but he essentially said something like, well, this is a really hard to call one as a Man City fan. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, Firmino's being held. It hit both their hands. Like, yeah, I'll give you Bobby does give it a little bit of a guide. Valid enough point. But still, he's being, like, completely 100% wrapped trying to get away. Yeah. And he's like, well, yeah, that's why it's a tough call. I'm like, how? <laughs> Like, what gets me is that the ref actually looks over his shoulder as he's walking away from VAR, looks over his shoulder, goes back, has another look, and still doesn't see the fact that Dyer handballs at first. You know? Here's, here's, my, here's my issue with it. Whether it's a foul or not, to me, like, is, in my opinion, is Bobby getting fouled? Sure. Like, is it a, is it a handball by Bobby? Yes. Um, but the problem is, is like, the, the active rule is pretty clear. It says... It is not an offense if after an accidental handball, the ball travels some distance and there are several passes before the goal or goal scoring opportunity. Like that's it. That's, that's black and point. white right there. So like for me, like there was like, I mean, I, I think we counted it at some point. I think it was like four or five legitimate offensive passes forward before, you know, the goal. And like, to me, if you're going to call that back, you're really taking some serious Liberty with the turn, uh, you know, phrase of play. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? Look at the next five minutes in the build-up of a goal. Like, yeah. it says it right there. Like, I don't even understand why it's a discussion. To me, it's it's a bad call. And John Moss had no business actually calling Atkinson over to the replay booth in the first place. You know? Yeah. Like, it should have never even gone to the booth. Yeah. By the letter of the law, you're you're absolutely right. But um, we had the last laugh on Mane. What a cross, um, what a, what a first-time finish, you know, just what we've been crying out for, a brilliant ball into the box and just hit it first time, and you're never stopping that. A wee bit like uh, like Hoiberg's goal. Your keeper was three yards away from it. Mane just absolutely cracks it into the roof of the net. Um, and we've broke Spurs, lads. That's it. We've, we've officially broke them. You know, that's <laughs> the Spurs doing Spurs things. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, if we've got nothing else to talk about Spurs, uh, we've pretty much hit the nail on the head. Hendo, brilliant game, chased every ball vocally and and on the pitch as well, covered every blade of grass. Um, so we can move on to the West Ham game and then we'll get straight into the juice, into the juicy gossip that is transfer deadline day. So um, yeah, lads, the West Ham lineup, um, Matip out, of course, Um Div in, Shaq in, Mane out. And, you know, we could all be forgiven for being a bit hasty to see that straight away. Um, and it, it definitely, it took us the half to get into the game. Um, you know, West Ham obviously sat back and done their thing, which they were always going to do. But, um, you know, I, I see a lot of... Um, not necessarily hate, but you know, Div's had a hard time at Liverpool. Let, let's talk about Div. I know we, I know we had the hot take last week with uh, with Bickler, um, but I think he tried earlier on uh, in the game and and looked and tried to progress as much as he could. But the more and more we got into the game, he, the more and more sort of lost he had. He was um, certainly had a few chances, um, and I still hope he can air quotes capitalize on his chance 
his one chance for his season to um, maybe put another stake on that statue that that is in the works somewhere. But uh, if he gets one chance, let's hope he buries it because that one against uh, that one that hit the bar a couple of weeks back was just it's still on my mind. Um, Tomuchin, talk us through it. Let's let's hear let's hear what we can talk about, like the capitalization of Devok or the uh, capitulation. Yeah, you're not going to like what I'm going to tell you, but <laughs> dude's had his chances. I, I love the kid. You know, he's like a likable dude. And obviously he's had some great moments for this club. But anybody who's like, oh, he needs more chances. He needs a runoff games and stuff. First of all, on a team like this, to be able to get a runoff games, you got to be able to show something when you're up there. And he has not. And he has a Taki, who's now, I guess, gone, uh, probably wishes he had a tenth of the minutes that uh diva got uh, i wish she had a tenth of the minutes yeah no shit <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully he gets them so inside does, and, yeah, and so does like ox and stuff so i mean he's had minutes and you look at his play and you know we're going back to like what we talked about last podcast and the dude has speed and size and honestly he's good with the ball i mean he when he takes on a player and in the beginning of the game he makes a couple of decent runs where you know Robo sees him and, you know, like he makes the run, takes a shot, whatever, that's fine. But you watch him the rest of the game. I don't know if it's just his body language, but even during the counter pressing, he's like 70%, 75%. There were so many times where you expect him to be, you know where the ball is going and we're starting to counter press. You know your role. He should be right on top of that guy. And he's not. By the time he gets there, the ball moves again. I mean, things like that. Do you remember that one little... Do you remember that one little moment where he was out on the left and he he dribbles past a couple of players and he just played it into Salah and Salah gets his shot off. Yes. He he threatened, he threatened, he threatened, but he couldn't get it over the line. Like that's that's Div in a nutshell, really. But here's why I think that should be him. I mean, when he gets the ball, he should use. I mean, he can take players on. I don't know if he's afraid to. Like I say, I don't know what it is, but he definitely has his chances and. I hope. I mean, obviously, when Jota comes back, he's gonna. He's not gonna get the chances he's getting now, exactly. and that's gonna. Be but I mean, that's that's the that's what we're talking about. I mean, when Jota comes in, he took his chances and he, he capitalized on them. You know, like whether scoring or you know contributing to the play. I just do not, especially off the ball. I mean, I understand. You know, most people probably when they watch. You know, especially like an attacking player, we're kind of like looking at, you know, are they assisting? Are they scoring? You know, creating chances, blah, blah, blah. But watch him off the ball. That's what probably drove me the nuts most as I was watching. I feel like he's not 100% full in there. And that's probably the most disappointing part to me. But, you know, we kind of like, you know, in our, you know, chats on Discord, we kind of like talked about it at halftime. And the second half starts, yeah, that he makes that run on the left. He takes the guy on. The guy is fast as hell. So he outruns him easily and crosses a beautiful ball in. But you got to be able to see more of that. I mean, you can't just have a guy out there 90 minutes. So he's going to make one run. He's got to be able to do more of that. So I honestly do not think he'll be here next year unless, you know, he gets more chances and makes the most of them. I just like, you know, the, the thing is, if he didn't have those moments, Take those go- – everybody, you know, when we talk about his moments, you know, like obviously the, the Barcelona game, uh, you know, against Everton and then the Champions League final. Aside from those, before his injury, you know, against the Everton game like a few years back, what has he really done that you're like, yeah, we should keep this guy? 
Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Like you, you can't, you can't keep um, underperforming and 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 expect people to to give you the leniency. Um, and I guess you know, I hope the best for him. But you're probably right. The only way that we're going to see him at Anfield next year is if they do erect the statue. Um, <laughs> but all all jokes aside, I, I have to call out uh, Jordan Gerrard or Armand Dank because um, he said something. <laughs> Hilariously funny in our, our private Discord chat. He said, uh, Divock, Divock nearly took Tiago's shot away from him. That beautiful ball where Tiago plays it through and Div just slides on him. It's almost the pass is too good for Divock. Like he's he's a, a yard further left of the goal um, when, when he eventually gets to it. But um, I mean, Tiago again, I'm just begging for that day, uh, Paul, that he scores one or, or gets one of those beautiful assists or one of those lovely goals but it seemed like it was almost there it seems like he's right on the cusp of it yeah it's coming we'll get it as long as he stays out of the book doesn't have two yellows i but, love uh, i love that he, the man the man oh, was literally dude. bleeding he, he it, do you know what's crazy go ahead what's wild to me is he he makes tackles that i feel like would get called on everybody else that don't get whistled at all yeah which i'm fine with but i'm like I'm like, what? I mean, even look, the yellow card doesn't phase him. He's still throwing in tackles. You know what I mean? I know, but like, it, <clears> like, <throat> I feel like there's this crazy love, love affair with Diago, with even the referees in the Premier League, where they're like, well, he's, you know, he's played at Bayern. He's an amazing, you know, talent. Like, it's almost like they ref him differently, which is wild to me. Um, I love Diago. I think. I don't know if I love him as much as everybody else loves him. I'm not like one of those people that are like, oh, he's slow as player or whatever. But like, it is interesting to me, like how much attention he, he attracts from neutrals and from our fans alike. Like, I mean, I know he's a talent and everything, but like, it is crazy the amount of love that, that people have for like a dude that's been here for like, it feels like two weeks. Yeah. And the man, like to, to put it, it's so succinctly. He he had a song before he even touched down on British soil. That's that's just sums it up there for me. But the big takeaway here from the West Ham game, guys, I'm sure you're all right there with me, is the moment Milner comes off. Parker, Milner comes off, Jones comes on, and it's fucking game over. And Milner has that moment with Klopp, and he's like, what, what's wrong, boss? And then two seconds later, their best friends, Milner's laughing, Jones comes on and just... So here's here's the thing. What Klopp, Klopp's last words to Curtis Jones before he went out onto the pitch was, just go and be cheeky. Go and be your normal scouse cheeky self. And sure enough, he grabs the game by the scruff of the neck. And two seconds later, Milner's laughing. <laughs> I mean, that was... I'll speak on two separate points. First of all, from Milner's point of view, no one likes to get taken off, period. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You hate being taken off. That's that's part of being a competitor. That's part of being an athlete. Whether you're paid or not, it sucks. Um, Over to Jones now. I mean, he... Textbook definition of hitting the ground running. Yeah except he hit the ground at a full Usain Bolt sprint. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, 
the immediate impact. That's all there really is to it. Mm-hmm. You know, he made an impact. He saw the opportunity and he made himself known. And that's kind of what you need from substitutions. And obviously it's unrealistic to expect that every single time a sub gets put in. But that's, you know, to me, that's part of why subs are so important is getting those fresh legs in there isn't only getting someone with fresh legs, someone who's ready, who's got the energy left, but it's also that little bit of tactical mindset and that little bit of just minor tweak that the other team has to make in an instant to know, okay, I was covering this guy with this play style. Now I'm covering this guy with this play style. And, you know, that is just enough of a difference sometimes that like in this situation allows for big things to happen. Yeah. And it, it was his 20th birthday the other day to mention. Um, so fantastic, you know, to, to take a man like Milner off who, who gave everything doesn't look like a 35 year old man, or is he, is he 36? I'm not sure, but he's up there anyway. Um, and, you know, he's been tasked with doing this job running and, and being, himself you know giving everything and putting everything on the line and you know Jurgen said something to the effect like you know you need to just calm down for a minute and, and let's manage your game and then he was like okay it's 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 time for him to come off and he kind of explained that to him on the sideline but to have a, a young kid who it was like I said it was he just turned 20 so he's he's got that fresh exuberance and the 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 sort of enthusiasm of having a birthday, I guess, you know, and, and wanting to prove yourself on the big stage again. Like, it's just just brilliant to have that on your squad, on the bench, you know. It just comes on, like Parker said, grab the game by the scruff of the neck. His first touch was like a like a, a chest where he kind of caught it on his chin and just ran past people. Like, it, he just he, he instilled that in, into the team immediately. And I think going back to Milner, actually, first... Um, I think, you know, from what I understood, they were going to, I think he was going to probably at least stay till like the 60th minute or something like that. It was kind of like known that he was going to come out because he had like a knock or, you know, like, you know, they didn't want to risk him and stuff. And it's almost, I mean, in the first half, we even like, you know, talked about it. He was the one making those runs out of midfield uh, when like, you know, like Divac and, you know, like Shaq would like drop off and stuff like that. And we were like, man, like the slowest guy on midfield is making these like forward runs into the box. And they kind of like switched the role in the beginning of the second half so that he would not run as much and make those runs. He would not be in that position, but basically he didn't just get that memo. Did he? (laughs) Yeah. So when he comes out, you know, like his thinking is, you know, he's coming out earlier because he's not running. And as Klopp is explaining that, you know, Curtis takes care of business. But I think what I like about Curtis is that, you know, sometimes it does get him in trouble, the overconfidence, but I think that overconfidence makes him, go at players yeah and which is something we kind of lack in midfield you know we have players who win the ball press and then you know control possession you know distribute but not as much i mean tiago that's why it's kind of like almost odd when tiago takes somebody one-on-one and gets past them because we're not used to that from our midfield they're more like a you know like a blue collar midfield is what we're used to so it's good to have that coming off the bench kind of like parker is saying totally different style you know somebody comes off the bench and it's going at you and that's Entire goal, how he set it up, mind you. I mean, I know obviously he kind of like set it up, but that's just Salah. And I don't understand how that can't be defended because I think everybody in this podcast, 
anybody who's listening to the podcast, anybody who's watched Liverpool over the last couple of years, <laughs> probably when he sees Salah get that ball right there, you know exactly what he's going to do. So why you will let him cut in there and curve that ball? How many freaking times do you guys see that, see that being tried? I mean, how many times has he tried that where he goes over? But how many times has he scored it? So that's, that's just really poor defending on West Ham not to prevent that. But, I mean, he still had a lot to do, and it's like a beautiful finish. So... It was definitely good to see him back. But, yeah, I mean, going back to your point on Curtis, I think that's, like, the biggest thing I see out of him. That confidence gives him kind of, like, the ability to go at players and take people on. And he's been given the green lights. And for a kid that age to be – to have the green light to do that, it's I mean, shows how special the kid is going to be, really. It, it shows how special he is because we're talking about him as opposed to the Salah finish. You know, we, we, we've all talked about it now for like five minutes. Let's say this, just this goal. And you were the first to bring up the Salah finish, which is an unbelievable finish. Like you said, terrible defending. The, the phrase that they would use back home is when you've got like four or five defenders that close together that you could throw a towel over them. You could throw a blanket over them. They're that close together. And Mo Salah was playing as if there was a blanket over them because they may as well have not been there. He cuts in, cuts out, and just gifts one into the top corner, like we've seen him do so many times, but not as of late. But, um, you know, Paul, the goal was something else. It really was. Um, I could watch it for forever, really. It was perfect. He just made them stand still. Yeah, I mean, like, I think, I think Tim kind of hit on all the main points, right? I mean you got to know that's coming. How many times have we seen that versus just Chelsea? Like, I feel like he, I feel like he scored at least eight of those versus Chelsea alone. But, um, I mean, it's a sweet spot. I mean, uh, you know, it reminds me a little bit of Coutinho used to have that spot where he'd bend in from the left and, 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 and uh, like kind of curb that one in on the left side coming central. Uh, that's Mo's shot, man. Like that's where he likes to be. If he's not here, like when you think about Mo, he really has, he really has like, three goals he scores a pen he scores <laughs> he scores over the top on a fast break yeah on a one-on-one and he scores from that that elbow area where he just kind of bends it in like the, he has three goals in him i mean they're all fantastic but like i, I bet you i bet you probably like 90 percent of his goals a breakdown into those two categories yeah. so it's got to be defended better but yeah i mean i agree with all the points on curtis jones i mean i think anybody who's ever heard me talk about curtis jones knows that i think that he's going to be a very big part of this club for a long time um and i think we touched on it a little bit but i think what what goes a little bit uh undervalued or or unspoken uh is is about how unusual it is for a kid of his age to have the desire to go at players like that um consistently because like he started out hot but he hasn't always been hot i mean he had that period where like people were you know he was starting and people were like he shouldn't be starting he's not ready he's arrogant turns the ball over too much makes too many mistakes um and all that's really really pretty consistent with just uh being young young players inconsistent but like the sheer ability he has is one thing but for me it's the mental makeup that he has of of just like constantly going at people that's what i love about him yeah, I think the fearless, the fearlessness of, of youth, the uh, the arrogance of youth is, is definitely something that he's he's going to be. Hopefully, he can hold on to throughout his career because he he definitely has that ability to take on players and just leave them in the dirt. Um, whether that's through sheer sheer speed, um, 
or skill or just determination. It, it doesn't really matter. It, it's, it's working. <laughs> so let's keep it going, Kurt. Um, but yes, as we're talking about Mo Salah, we'll, uh, we'll stick on him just for a minute because the second goal, guys. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a wee bit about Shakiri as well. But Mo Salah's hit the, the, the high notes and the highlights recently of his career because that's his fourth consecutive season. Now, we're halfway through this season and he's already on 20 Premier League goals. So he's the first, excuse me, he's the first player to do that since Ian Rush. So Ian Rush done it six times, six consecutive seasons, 81 to 87. Um, now, I'm going to be honest with these guys because um, basically the, the conversation was brought up sort of early start of the season to say that Mo Salah is a, a, a legend of the club. Now, I'm taking absolutely nothing away from what he's done for Liverpool this past four seasons. He's been phenomenal. Um, my point is, and still remains, is he needs to stay for a couple more seasons to be in the conversation of players like Rush, Daglish, you know, the absolute best of the best for Liverpool. He's definitely up there, but just a couple more seasons is all I want from him. He's undoubtedly a legend. He, he, he probably just gets legendary status alone for what he's done, Champions League and Premier League. But what I want from him is, is a wee bit more longevity. I want him for as many seasons as I can have him because he, it seems to be, not that we take him for granted, but you know, if, if, people were, if you were to be asked, who's your favorite player in the squad? Quite a lot of people say Bobby. Quite a lot of people would say Thiago, maybe now, or you know, uh, Trent, or even Robbo. But um, I, I just think a couple more seasons. But and he can be considered up there with Rush. Like he's already done it for four seasons. But if he can do it for another one, my God, we have. Now we're talking statues. Now we're talking statue time. Um, so lads, I, I don't know where you stand on that, but that was my hot take, sort of start of the season. Give me one more, two more seasons, and he is legendary status, like up there with the best of the best. I mean, I think that he does not get. I mean, when you go online, there are fans of Mo, uh, there are fans of Mane, and if you ask a Mane fan, they think Mane is underappreciated. If you ask a Mo fan, they think he's underappreciated. You know, it's just kind of like it goes back and forth, and and they have brought a huge fan base along with them there are a lot of fans who actually started following liverpool you know once those guys you know uh became a player i personally think one of the reasons where i mean we almost will need a statue where all three of them are on there somehow uh because i think that's why you can't you know when you talk about those years I and mean, those were like some awesome teams but rush was rush you know what i mean yeah. it was you know, like same with Douglas. Like you couldn't say him and him and him. Even though the rest of the team was great, those guys, you know, like you talk about like Gerard, like they almost like shined a bit more than everybody else. Right. Whereas when you look at front three, it's almost like a collective group. And sometimes, you know, one week is Mane, uh, one week is like a ridiculous Bobby pass to, you know, Mane or Mo. And the next week, Mo scores like a ridiculous goal and he has two and stuff. So it's almost like they've been putting up some ridiculous numbers that we've been probably spoiled with. And that's why Thiago is, you know, like suddenly so popular because it's a new shiny toy, you know? Right. We're kind of like been spoiled with what these front three can do on a regular basis. And I think that's what it is. That's why it's almost like 
he will not get his own stuff. Uh, I know personally, I see, you know, when I look back, you know, if I'll make it that far, but let's say years from now, when you look back at this team, you I, you know, you will, for example, but you know, like you remember individual players and go back to him and say, hey, you know, he was awesome and stuff. But when I look back at this team, I'm going to always, you know, refer to them as that ridiculous front three we had. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Individual. Yeah, and that's that's a, a big thing to to take in. Like we we are a collective now, but um, let's jump to Parker real quick. Parker, I believe you've got a new little uh, segment to try out on on the lads here. Yeah, so uh, this is a segment I've been thinking we should try for a while, and I've always been really obsessed with completely irrelevant fun facts. Um, I remember you know whether it's on Facebook or early on Twitter, these pages like blew up where it's just stupid completely irrelevant facts but i like trivia i like fun facts i think it'd be a fun way to get our uh juices flowing during the podcast and kind of give us a uh a breather for a second from the more uh serious football talk so this week we're gonna keep it nice and simple who is the heaviest and the lightest player on liverpool's squad all right i'll go for it and we'll include we'll include Injured players, new transfers in, and loans out. Ah, he said injured players, so I don't know. That's like... I also said transfers in and loans out. So right, right, right. Had to right. cover all the bases here, Tim. Can't I see, I see. So I'll, I'll give you guys a little bit of breathing room. Um, heaviest will be Shaq's calves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, heaviest has got to be VVD. Um Lightest has got to be tacky. Got to be tacky. Surely, surely I'm right. How heavy? How heavy do you think each of them are? And this is more to give. Well, I, you see, I, I think I, I I won't take that answer because you guys are talking American right now, and that's uh, above oh, my yeah. pay grade, sir. Oh, oh, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll convert it from kilos or stones for you. Oh fucking Christ! All right. Um, Bird just gotta be like 18, <laughs> 18 stone. Um, I don't know what that is in America. He's gotta be like 220, 240. Okay. And what do you say about Taki? How many stones do you think about, he is? He's probably about a hundred soaking wet. Okay. <laughs> okay. 120, 130, let's say. Okay. Paul? Yeah, he took my two picks. Um, I'm trying to think on if I could, like, Taki is definitely the lightest, okay? I, I, I just don't see, it's got to be him, unless maybe Nico, um, but I'm still going Taki. I'm still going Taki. Um, heaviest, I mean, Verge is the obvious, is the obvious answer because he's built like a, a house and he's 6'4". Um, he's a brick. House. All right, I'm gonna go. I'll get just to make it interesting. I'm gonna go with Virgil's the heaviest, but I'll say Devox the second heaviest, just for fun. <laughs> okay, so just to be different for the life, it's hockey seems like the obvious answer. I'm hoping you picked it so that it wouldn't be obvious. So I'll go with Keita being the lightest. Ooh, mm-hmm. ooh, interesting. And then, 
for the I'm just trying to take the oddballs. Is there more points if I take an oddball win? No. Uh, let's go with um man, the heaviest has to be Van Dyke, right? I mean, just looking at the like the stature of the freaking dude, you would think it'd be him. Yeah, let's go with Van Dyke. It's really hard. I was gonna say like maybe like an oddball, like a goldie like Adrian or somebody like that, but could be could be Divock because he's made of solid bronze and just is a statue. <laughs> So I'll All go right. with Van Dyke and Keita. Let's see so what we happens. got Van Dyke and Keita and two Van Dyke and Takamis. So I'll tell you guys all right now, none of you got the lightest player. Oh! And you guys, for the lightest player, you guys were off by, a, I wouldn't say a fair bit, but... 30, 40 pounds? Eh, 15-ish. Oh. So heaviest player was is is Van Dyke. Um, it's hard to find accurate weight stats, so I'm just going off of ESPN because that had the most complete listings for all our players. The crazy like thing is, like... <laughs> the crazy thing is, Van Dyke and Allison are only two pounds different. Van Dyke's it's at two hundred three. Allie's at two hundred one. He must have trimmed the so beard. That, that, that day. was something that kind of surprised me. Who's the lightest, so man? The now lightest. Keita's close to the bottom. He's tied for second lightest. So Leighton Clarkson is the lightest at 137. Ah, uh, no, that makes sense. And then tied for, se- tied for second is Robbo and Keita. Oh. I don't believe that. There's no way that Taki is more it says than on, It says Unless on here Taki's 150. No. Yeah, wearing armor. <laughs> I'm just going off of what I got here because, like, transfer market doesn't show weights, and the athletics said pretty much the same as far as the. Uh, I mean, I feel like Trent or the athletics says that Robbo's the lightest by two. Robbo must have been on a diet range. that week. <laughs> wow, that's um, that must is amazing. Fair play. I, I never would have guessed it, but um, we should have known. All right, wait. We should have known. What does it have? I, I see Minamino at 148. That's... Either way, it had uh, Robbo at 139 and Clarkson at 137. That's wild, dude. That is pretty. All this remind me that I got to start a freaking diet. I would expect if they had Harvey Elliott down on there he'd probably be pretty far yeah. down yeah well i guess uh to continue the trend in the the fun fact arena here um did you know since the start of last season i mean without recent form being taken into account um you would kind of think that this is uh bullshit but did you know since the start of last season trent our very own taa has been involved in more premier league goals than any other defender in the competition Take a guess as to how many goals he's been involved in, both goals and assists combined. What, was it for this season? Uh, the start of last season. So since the start of last season. Oh, this wow. season. Oh. All right, who's going first? Do, do, I'll do, go. Do, 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 do. Hey, wait, wait. Is this is this all all counts? Or yeah. Deal? I'm sorry. My, uh, goals and assists included. Yeah. So right, but just Premier League or just everything? Premier League, correct? Just okay. Premier League. All right. Um. Let's see. I will go. 
Play at home, listeners. I'll go with, I will go with, I will go with 28 total. It's 28 total. All right. Bickler in with 28. Can you go higher or lower than 28, boys? I'll see his 28 and raise it to 32. Ooh. I'll see that and raise it to 46. Well, you boys are very, very optimistic. He has had 16 assists. Oh. Now, now do you just want to lower it a little bit? He's had five goals. So 21 in total. Um, but that's higher than any other defender. So fair play to him. Um, he sucks. Sell him. <laughs> I was uh, expecting better numbers. <laughs> I, feel yeah, I, I really, want 46. I really overestimated. I knew he had 13 assists last year. I guess I just overestimated what he'd done this year because I know. And anyway, one... I want to play again. <laughs> and one, one more before we, oh, we get back into the juicy gossip. Stranger um, fact for me next time. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll take you on the that. Are, are, I love yeah. it. I love it. We will take you at your word, Parks. Um, so against West Ham, Henderson won a hundred percent of his duels and won possession more times than any other player on the pitch. How many times did Henderson win possession? And what's the time period for this one? Ninety minutes. Just the oh, West Ham game. Just, this just, last just game. one game. The West Ham game. Okay. Yep. Five. Um, gosh, we're all going to go too low now. I know it. Um, 32. <laughs> <laughs> How many times did he win back possession? Yeah. Uh, I'll go eight. I'll go eight. Okay, five, eight, Timuchin. I'll go 11. 11 is the right answer. Ding, 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 ding. All right, folks, there you have it. That's Thank you, everybody. Number. I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> That's our little uh, did you know fun fact part of the show. Um, but yeah, can we talk a little bit about the Shakiri assist and then we can uh, talk a little bit about the signings. The Shakiri assist, guys, one touch cross mo salah one touch goal <laughs> what a bloody cross that was it it, it looked as if shakiri had so much time out on that left wing that he he almost stopped running like those calves of his just the road runner calves just stopped running and then he eventually caught up with the ball and just he hits it first time i was kind of shocked and then sure enough it lands right at mo's feet like and then just a perfect one touch, one finish. Like, just that's Mo Salah back on track now, surely, Paul, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he definitely looks back on track, right? I mean, if we're talking about the Shaq assist, that ball gets pinged out there. It's a equally phenomenal ball from Trent. Very like, true. That, that, whole, that whole sequence was insane. Clearance, ding to Trent, 60 yard swing to Shaq. Shaq gets the 60 yards back. And then two, like a phenomenal first touch from Mo with the weak foot, then chips the keeper. Um, it was like, for me, it was the only other goal. I mean, it really reminded me of the Suarez goal versus Newcastle. The one where he brought it down and rounds the keeper. I mean, Mo chips him instead of going, goes around him. But like, just like the sheer magic of it was very similar to like, where you were just like, your jaw was like on the floor. Um, I think in terms of Shaq's part specifically, like, it was, I mean, 
I laugh watching him anyway because he's just he's like constantly waddling out there and like the people <laughs> that are short and fat like me it gives us all hope. Um, but like the fact that like the fact that he hits that right, like I mean, I think ninety five percent of the people probably knock that ball on, into space and run onto it. Uh, but the fact that he like even had the like like when he first hit it, I was like, oh no, what's like he's over hit it, right? Like I mean, I think he's like overcooked it, um, and then it falls like perfectly in stride the mo. It's like the audacity to even try that cross, honestly, is pretty like it's impressive. Yeah. And but here's I mean, what, let me ask you guys this Do you guys think Trent's pass was meant to go there to Shaq, or was he trying to hit Mo? That's a good question because he, he leathers it. You know, it, it's, it's off into space. Like he, he, it's way ahead of him. So he's either just trying to hit the corner flag, I think. Um, Although you could be right, you never know. I, it, it's one of those things where you're gonna have to wait for the next series of wingmen to, to like Mo almost <laughs> starting to move towards it, and then he sees all these bodies coming and makes a smart move and say, "I'll let them get it," and he kind of like stretches the field more, makes it even more harder to defend. But I don't I was think like, I don't think he was I don't think he was aiming for I don't think he was going for Mo, but I don't know that he was going for Shaq as much as that he knew they were on the break and he saw bodies breaking. He probably thought it was Robbo. You know, actually, it's like, no, honestly, it's like one of those things, yeah. you know, when you're breaking out of your box and, and like you, you can, you see, you know, out of the corner of your eye, your guys are breaking. You don't know who, but you played the space. Yeah. That's what it seemed like to me. Like he knew he had loads of players overloading that side running down and he knew he could feed it in space and someone's going to run onto it. That's what it looked like to me. I tell you what I did. The, notice, is, the other player making the run was Hando. Like, That's it. You know, yeah. if the ball That's exactly over, what I was going to say. The, the first player to celebrate with Salah is Hendo. And at the time, that's our, that's our center back, ladies and gentlemen. That's our center back who's just bombed up the top of the field and is, you know, doing his best Alison Becker versus Man United celebration with Mo Salah <laughs> breakaway goal. But um, I just thought it was a brilliant um, all round, wonderful, epic paced goal. Um, unbelievable. But uh one more little fun fact, uh, just for Parker's sake, lads and listeners. Um, <laughs> Jordan Shkiri is averaging an assist every 137 minutes for Liverpool in all competitions this season. So that's four assists in 548 minutes. Among the players with 500 plus minutes played for Premier League clubs in all competitions this season, only De Bruyne has a better ratio. Isn't that... Uh, Food for thought. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not exactly the stat of the week, but it's crazy to could, think that... Could be way. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that um, Shakiri with the least amount of minutes. That... It's crazy, I but... think it could be why Taki's on loan, to be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they're, they're, I think they're finding... You know, I mean, we played him in that diamond mid, and he did really, really well in that sort of free run mm-hmm. um, spot. I mean, he's got a free kick on him. He plays right wing relatively well. He plays left wing relatively well. I think in terms of overall depth, we're, we seem pretty committed to like trotting Origi out there up top um, when we can. Like I think the minutes are going to be absorbed by him as long as we have him. I don't know that he's going to be here past the summer. I still think we likely move him. But I mean, at this rate, he's looked really good, man. Yeah. And quickly here, the third goal, guys, because um, it was another piece of brilliance ox to bobby bobby to genie three nil 
game over. Um, just a lovely, intricate little play again. Uh, good to see Ox with uh, a bit of confidence there to, to try out the back heel and getting Bobby involved was always going to be onto a winner and he just cuts it back for Jeannie and Jeannie slots home possibly the easiest goal of his career because uh, we all know he, uh, he he likes an away goal, doesn't he? Um, but Jeannie is one of those topics I, I, I hate to bring up. I, I just want to sing his song over and over again. Um, hope to God he doesn't leave us. Um, even though we've got a stacked midfield, he, he's just a, a quality player to have in there. But a quick word on Bobby Firmino and London, because we've essentially ran riot in London this week um, with six goals down there. Uh, and it was always called, when we went down to, to Wembley, it was always called Anfield South. And it seems like the Liverpool lads have held up with that tradition when we went down south this weekend because Bobby Firmino uh, in London this season has got uh, five games, three goals, three assists. And we just ran riot. We broke London. We broke uh, Spurs. And we done we done the trick against West Ham. Even though at 3-0 up, we, we kind of let one in. And I hesitate to say that Nat Phillips even slightly done a mistake on that goal because quite a lot of people are saying that he, he ducked the header and you know ducking the header is kind of like a term for just misjudging it I, I don't think people actually believe he ducked it because um, a central defender is not afraid of, of a football you know what I mean I think um, I think it's Declan Rice on the front post with Robbo and they both kind of go for it and Robbo kind of flicks it anyway he, he, he misjudged it it goes underneath it and you can hardly fault the man because he was pretty much faultless in that game. Um, I just feel bad for him. He didn't get the clean sheet because it was it was really a, an epic performance. Um, lads, do you have anything else to say on our trips down south this week? And then we can get straight into the juicy, juicy deadline business. Tumushin, Paul, Parker, anything? Nothing? No, I mean, great week. Kind of puts us back in the conversation. Kind of like, the, you know, gets rid of the cobwebs, hopefully. And like makes this week even more important now. So it's just good to see that. I mean, it was almost like the boys are back. So yeah, big time. And to mention you're, you're talking about next week or, or this week already, we've got uh, Brighton on Wednesday and uh, we've got the big game at the weekend. It's Sunday, isn't it right? Parker, that's what you said. Um, 11, 1130 local time. So that's a, a nice game to have on a, on a Sunday afternoon. Um, but there you have it folks. That's, that's our, our week summed up so we can get to the juicy goss of today. Uh, Tomuchin, you may as well start us off. The big signing, Quebec at the back. What, what do you know about him? Uh, obviously, I, I think you said earlier he's an ex-Galatasaray player, which you're not really too keen on, but he is No, I'm not, national. but he was not there long enough to kind of earn my hate. Uh, I think <laughs> he probably played about like half the season for him and then got like snatched up from like, Germany. Um, but he's so, got a couple of caps for the national team as well, hasn't he? Uh, yes, he does. I mean, the kid, the thing I like about the deal overall is, obviously, we talked about it before, we need a center back. And it wasn't like, you know, we went out. I mean, the online talk was like, who's up there and stuff. And obviously, they were following people. And we knew, I mean, you know, we talked about it during the summer, like he was one of the names. Uh, we even had like a couple of articles on him on the website and stuff like that. So, I mean, we went after somebody that we were already looking at and it wasn't like a knee-jerk buy. So that's probably like the biggest thing I like about it. The second thing is just the whole 
the way it's done alone with a buying option. So it's almost like a player that we were interested in. We just kind of get to take for a test drive uh, while filling in the spot. For how, in the the uh, buy option is half what they wanted last summer. Yeah, that's that's brilliant too as well. Like and you know I seen um, KFC UK and Ireland put out a tweet <laughs> and they actually they actually tweeted Michael Edwards and Paul Joyce. I think they were replying to Paul Joyce actually what it was. So the tweet reads something like, uh, Michael Edwards could walk into a KFC for a snack box, but end up walking out with a secret recipe, two of our fryers, and the shirt off my back. <laughs> Which I just thought was epic uh, trolling, if you will. Um, but yeah, that was in reply to Paul Joyce, who's a um, big Liverpool aficionado. Uh, Liverpool made the 18 million option um, for Ozan Kabak's loan deal permanent. So unreal business and you know not just Quebec at the back we've got a uh, 25 year old Ben Davies from Preston Paul um so I don't know if you've seen or heard about him too much uh we've all kind of had the day to to figure out what he means and and what what he could mean for us um I've watched one of his uh terrible YouTube um highlight reels which you know we all we all have our problems with the highlight reels you could put highlights together of me 10 years ago and I'd probably get a championship deal. Maybe not for two million, maybe not even for two pound, but he looks to be a ball playing center half, kind of like Quebec. Um, I don't know if you've had the chance to, to look into it, but um, one of the YouTube videos I'm talking about in particular, one of the Preston North End fans kind of took the time to answer all these questions from many concerned Liverpool fans. Cause let's face it, none of us really know too much about him. Um, but he does seem to be a quality English talent. Yeah, I was slightly confused originally because I feel like we've been linked with like five Ben Davies that all go to Tottenham. So, uh, <laughs> like, uh, it took me a minute to figure it out. Uh, I mean, yeah, look, I mean, he's still relatively young for a center back. Um, I think on paper, he looks, you know, I think the reservation is on paper. He looks on par with, you know, with, with Matt Phillips. So, um, I mean, I think they're very different players. Uh, the way that I look at it is that at this point, like I know we do our homework on players, so there's got to be something there from a talent standpoint. Um, the other thing is, is like at 2 million pounds on a permanent, like he could come into the squad, play a handful of matches, and he's going to be third-party evaluated for six with Premier well, League experience. It. Big time, because Leicester so, were rumored – and apparently they, Leicester wanted him for 12 million only in the summer. The only reason we right. bought him for 2 million is because his contract's so close to the end that 2 million's seen as a win-win. Right. And that's kind of where we get to the actual spirit of Moneyball, as much as I hate that term because everyone thinks that, you know, it tries to tie us to baseball. Um, that, that's kind of where we get to that, where, we, where we're taking calculated risk on players that have absolutely no, uh, no downside financially. So... Um, I guess that's why I look at it is like, it's a free flyer, really. It's 2 million, but it's, it's basically a free flyer on a player that may pan out to be really nice depth for us um, or uh, may rise into the first team. Or if in worst case scenario, it doesn't work out. We're making three times what we bought on. Yeah. And look, Celtic are pissed. I, I, I seen um, an interview with Neil Lennon, the, the Celtic manager. Um, he used a word that I probably haven't seen since I was like five or six. Gazumped. <laughs> Liverpool have gazumped us. Um, and a Celtic. translation from 
Irish to English is I I don't know. They've they've diddled oh. us. They've they've cheated us. Okay. Um, but uh yeah, it's uh apparently Celtic wanted him for 10 million as well. So I don't know how Edwards managed to do it. I don't know how I don't know how the man goes to sleep at night. Really. Honestly, it's getting <laughs> to the point where it's Ups, upside down. <laughs> <laughs> with with millions and millions of, of, of dollars warming up his mattress. Um but uh <laughs> Parker, uh, you, you were kind enough to, to bring us the news that Hackey's been uh, brought over the line to Southampton. Sepp Vandenberg's yeah. going the other way to Preston uh, North End, which by all accounts, Preston North End are having their own um, centre-back issues. So getting rid of uh, young Ben Davies to us, probably not so good, but they're getting Sepp. Um, hopefully I'll get him some minutes and hopefully Tacky will get some minutes in Southampton. Um, what's your take on those two loan outs? Because... Yeah, they're, well, they're, they're as important as, as the deals in. Definitely. Um, one thing I will say, I think Michael Edwards is the one behind that whole GameStop stock thing going on. It, I mean, you know, <laughs> there has to be that financial mind behind it. But um, on a serious note, so with uh, Minamino, um, I just found a tweet from James Pierce saying, Minamino to Southampton for the rest of the season, loan fee 500k. Saints wanted an option to buy in the summer, but that was rejected by LFC alone only. Good, um, good. We want Klopp wants Minamino to get a run of games in the Prem between now and May. Still sees a future for him at Anfield, and then just a little bit of extra shenanigans. But I mean, to me, that's reading a lot more towards the we just want to get a minute. And we've got a plan for him, which I think gives credence to, uh, you know, Paulus is going to make you happy. That might give credence to Origi being gone. Because, I mean, if it, if, if we thought getting rid of Takami was a good idea, they would have put that loan option in. They would not have stomped it down like they very clearly have. Now, again, that's from Pierce. Yeah. So it's not, you know, a guaranteed thing, but Pierce has proven himself to be pretty damn reliable so Mm -hmm. i I think it's a good move for him you know you guys know how much i love minamino i think he definitely needs more time to be able to shine i think that he's not a fully developed player he's only you know 24 25 he's not a full peak prime player yet i think he still has some time to kind of get to that point and I think that he can be a good player for us when he does get to that point because he's quick. You know, he can accelerate real quick. And if we can get him to flow with the team well and get that ball handling up a little more, he could be devious as a good feeder, as a good number nine. Yeah. Um, as far as the um Van or the Sep trade, um I think it's or not trade, sorry, loan. Um I think it's a good move for him. You know, again, I think more time, more experience is good. Yeah, we're seeing that perfectly encapsulated with uh, Harvey Elliott. You know, I hated to see Harv go, but he's doing great things, and he's going to come back to us at the start of next season ready to kick some ass. So Absolutely. And, I, you know, to much Paul hinted at the, uh, the, the SEP, uh, Maybe that it was time for him to to, <clears throat> to be loaned out, and he just had man of the match. Uh, that's what Paul told us last podcast as well um, against Everton. So um, you know that's good for him. But again, on the Celtic note, 
Liverpool seem to really have it in for Celtic this week because we've signed their young goalkeeper from Northern Ireland. And, you know, me and you can can sort of wax lyrical. You've had your turn with um, with Quebec, your, your national <laughs> player. And now I'll, I'll have mine with uh, another Irish goalkeeper. You know, he, young Liam Hughes, um, 21 or he's capped at the under 21 level. He, I think he might be younger than that, but he, he's joining a, a wealth of young goalkeepers we have. Um, Kelleher, to name one, um, Patulaga, the Brazilian boy, um, Orzunatsky, I believe is how it's pronounced, the, the Polish fella, maybe um, Mateusz would be able to confirm that for us. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, we've, we've got a wealth of youth in the ranks and you know, surely that's only uh, only boding well for the future. Like all these great goalkeepers, great defenders, great midfielders are, are eventually making their way through, as we know, with, uh, you know, get to know Leighton Clarkson and, and all these other players that we've got on the fringes. Um, and it's emphasized by the fact of, you know, Trent, Curtis Jones, all these youths breaking through. It, it, it's a great time, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the more chances you take, the better chance you have that, you know, you're going to, you know, find a star that's going to be like a big time player for you. I mean, I think it's smart to get some of these young kids and see what happens, but that's like, you know, similar to the SEP deal. I almost feel like the whole SEP loan was more based on trying to seal the deal to be able to get him, you know, get Davies away from Preston. Like, you know, hey, we'll give you his replacement as well, kind of a thing, more than getting SEP playing time. But, um, I mean, obviously, it's a good experience for him. Uh, Taki as well. I mean, I personally think, I know like Parker's saying, you know, like he's still young and stuff like that. But I, I guess my biggest fear with Taki is he's not physically strong enough uh, for the Premier League. And secondly, I feel like he requires a lot more space to be able to operate and do what he does and use his speed. Uh, like when he played against us and, you know, he was on the counter. Yeah. And things like that. I think, you know, he struggles more in, you know, like tighter areas because of his, you know, like size and strength and stuff. I guess if we could turn that around, obviously, you know, he has the skills and like, you know, like he's good on the ball and everything like that. But but that goes back to, you know, what we were talking with, like, you know, what Bickler was talking about earlier. Again, it's a small investment. Uh, you get him out there, uh, plays for Southampton. Um I think if nothing else, I mean, it was, I think it was like seven and a half million or something like that we got him for. Yeah. So, you know, if he, you know, gets a good run of games over there, I mean, he'll get another shot. And then if nothing else, you know, you sell him for more and make money on the player that you took a chance on. I mean, I, that's what I kind of liked about these signings that we did and the loan deals. I thought it was like kind of like a good way to kind of like wrap up this January here because you brought in two center backs. We, despite what everybody else says, we desperately needed. Um, they're both young. Um, one of them is, like I say, it's like a test drive. He's Turkish. What else can you ask for? Right. And, you know, and, and honestly, like, the, you know, the kid is, I mean, he is good on the ball and he's fast and he's used to playing, you know, high lines, you know, when it was like Galatasaray and stuff like that, because they play teams that kind of sit back all the time and you kind of have to defend. And my only concern is, one, just because he's Turkish, I'm going to be this guy's freaking lawyer for the rest of his Liverpool career. Uh, but for both of them, I'm more concerned about, you know, fans kind of like just matching him up to, you can already hear because they're not big names. Neither of them are. Uh, you can already hear like the rumbles and stuff like that. And 
sadly, our system really puts the center backs on an island. The way we play the high line, uh, you know, with the right back and left back nowhere to be seen. We're kind of like, you know, relying on the center backs to do a lot of work that other teams don't. Uh, so I just hope that, you know, we don't, these kids get some time. I would think Klopp is smart enough to not throw them both out there. Yeah. But my guess is, and not because he's Turkish, uh, even though Davies is probably a lot more used to the league. I mean, it's not like championship is that huge of a drop aside from like, you know, pace maybe. Um, I would think we would try to get the most of our test drive with Kabak as well uh, to see, because we got to be able to evaluate them to see if we're going to pick up the option or not. But it was good to see them get the players that were needed and kind of like loan out these two guys that can, like I say, I really feel like Sepp is just more to seal the deal and then get some playing time for Taki and see what he can do in midfield. I think he will do better at Southampton because not everybody sits back against Southampton. So he will have more space and he will be able to, you know, play on the counter and stuff like that. So, I mean, we'll see. Like I say, it's a good deal overall. I'm extremely pleased with what we did. I mean, if anybody had expectations that we were going to sign some, you know, star center back for like 50, 60 million, they don't, they're not following what the hell is going on anyway. (laughs) So based on what's happening, I thought this was probably like, ultimate scenario really yeah i think we need to clarify when timuchin says that he's afraid he's gonna have to become kavak's lawyer what he's really saying is he's afraid he's gonna get emotionally attached to him because of his <laughs> nationality and then not be able to objectively judge his performances <laughs> so fair 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 assumption hey, um, i'll give you that i'll give you that okay. yeah I, I i'll definitely we can't we can't let that Callahan. start I'll definitely attest to that with Kelleher. I've got uh, rose-tinted glasses when it comes to my Irish lad. Um, I'm sure but, a lot of us will when we finally get an American. In well, you, you've almost had an American, didn't you? you? We almost had an American in. We were rumored. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all jokes aside, lads, uh, let's stick our neck out and let's let's have our say. Today, we've signed Quebec. Um do you think we're going to go ahead with the option to buy in the summer? Um, Parker, let's go to you. Yes or no? Yes. All right. All right. Uh, Tamisha, we're going to save you for last because we all know which way you're going. Paul. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes at that price um, because we do not like, I still think the gap between Ben Davies and Reese Williams in not, well, I think not is going to be shopped um, still like they were shopping him and they held on to him uh, because of a number of reasons they didn't get what they were looking for. And because they knew they were going to need some added depth. I think Nat goes back in the window. I think the gap is too great between the starters and some of our depth. I think at that price, he's half. They wanted $35 million last window. We're going to get him for eighteen. dollars um, Knowing that we do not know what Joe Gomez is going to look like coming back. We do not look like know exactly what Verge is going to look like when he comes back. And we do know that Matsip is probably going to get injured again in his lifetime. So, like, with those things sort of all together, I, I think that we definitely – like, I can't see a, a re- way that we don't buy him unless he's just – absolutely terrible and i don't think he's going yeah to i think you're right i think we probably will take up the option to buy um and probably the only reason nat phillips wasn't sold was because he was supposed to be going to unc um university of north carolina in chapel hill and for all those who uh, play the fantasy football um one of our old 
podcasters, Chris Strain, called me the Irish Nat Phillips a long time ago. And they figured that they can't have two skinny, tall, bearded, ugly people in North Carolina because there's plenty of us out here. Um, so that's probably why. But um, fair play to Chris Strain. Um, if he's out there listening, you're always uh, you're always regarded back here as one of the, the Irish contingent of uh, you'll, you'll never walk alone, Scousers, the American Scousers. But um, with all seriousness, Tamushin, obviously you're taking the option to buy Quebec, aren't you? I think so, just because of the player he is. He fits. I mean, look, Nat Phillips had a great game, but if you look at the style we play, Kabak is definitely a lot better fit. The dude is fast. He's good on the ball. Um, I don't know how well he will be physically initially. I mean, I don't watch a lot of Bundesliga. Uh, so his last few years, I just know him more from like a national team than anything else. But I know, like I say, the kid is a lot better suited for how we play. I actually think he's more like Gomez. than He looks quite built from what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, he's like, you know, he has the speed. He is built. He can muscle people. Uh, There are times where, you know, if a team puts their big dude on him and keeps like lobbing balls, I don't know if he's going to win the headers over him a lot. But for our style, he's a much better fit than Nat, I think. And like Vickler says, unless he's really brutal, uh, I just don't see how they would turn out. The kid is 20. uh, And that price is a steal for like a 20-year-old quality center back absolutely you know ac milan were yeah. rumored to be he's in with him turkish for and he's freaking turkish what more can you want as as the main og says um but all seriousness he, he does look built he looks better at heading the ball than gomez as we all know gomez doesn't really like to leave the ground too much um but yeah from what i've seen he looks skillful on the ball and you know this is just highlight reels so with the poor quality music dubstep in the background and all the rest, you know, the lasers and explosions. And he looked really well. Um, but then again, so did Ben Davies. But um, Ben Davies has played something like 250. Uh, the music games. for these videos, by the way. I have no idea. Who, where do they get them? It's dump, dump, like, dump, I'm like, doesn't even go with this. Like, um, <laughs> a lot of them is, I can actually answer that. For a lot of them, it's either uh, small music producers that they know or um, distributions of copyright-free music that you can get online. Like, I've got this website I can go to where I have literally tens of thousands of copyright-free music tracks. They got to dig more, man. Some of these are like, like, turn on the volume and just watch the freaking highlights. That's the best way to do it. Just mute it and watch the highlights yourselves and and judge for yourselves. This one website that that I'm on, mid-tier site, 67,000 separate audio tracks. <laughs> wow wow <laughs> you definitely gotta dig yeah. through them to, to find a winner um yeah but all seriousness folks uh i don't think there's much we haven't covered here today um it's been great having you as listeners as always i'm gonna leave you with one more stat that i've i've pulled out of the the old the old podcast this is one we had when uh takumi minamino first signed for us um parker and paul you may not have heard this one but uh takumi minamino actually holds a guinness world record um oh yeah this is for all those for all those listeners out there that haven't heard that podcast in particular he holds the current guinness world record for guess what the most high fives given in one minute yep the most high fives given in one minute belongs to our very own takumi minamino all known at southampton
with a total of 187 high fives in a minute. So there you go. On that note, folks, as always, thanks for joining us. We're going to be back next week with more madness, as per usual, to talk about Brighton and the big game on Sunday. So perfect, folks. Thanks for joining us. Turn on, tune in, and cop out with us. You'll never walk alone. Walk alone.